as a very little child. I mean, imagine that as a very little child. She was not even, probably not even seven or eight years old. And she was going to these parties and being exposed to all of these things. So eventually in her life, she wound up giving in and having her setback at a very early age. And she started, you know, getting into all that party scene. At some point, she actually um, uh, separated from her mother, if you remember uh, in the news, I mean, legally, like, did not want her in her life while she was still a child. She talks about um, how, in some of her interviews, how she was very little and had no idea how to do laundry. And she had to figure that out because it was all her. And I believe she was under the age of 10, very, very young. And so at the the young age, she was just experiencing so many different things. And um, finally, after she had had a lot of bad spikes um, that she was really known for, uh, at the age of 19, she just realized that it was no longer, that type of life was no longer for her. So let's go ahead and roll this video. First, think later person, <laughs> especially at 19 or whatever I was. And so you said that was sort of a turning point for you. How so? Well, I think that I was like doing films like the Amy Fisher story and Bad Girls and Poison Ivy and because it was my mental execution of I, how am I going to help people not see me as a child anymore. Right. And then by the time I was like, 19, I was like, nah, I'm done with that chapter. And I had found that script ever after. Why do you like to irritate me, sir? Why do you rise to the occasion? (laughs) (laughs) It was the greatest lesson of my life because it was about demure capability and a woman rescuing herself rather than waiting to be rescued. And that, for me, felt just organically inside myself of the woman I wanted to become. With the 1998 movie Ever After, the 23-year-old began a career renaissance. She teamed with best friend and producing partner Nancy Javonin and ran off a string of hits from Never Been Kissed. Feeling good. To Charlie's Angels. Buddha unloaded. And Fever Pitch. where Drew introduced Nancy to her future husband, Jimmy Fallon. Nan was always great at finding the story. She'd be like, dude, Sony's making Charlie's Angels and there's no one on it and like, we gotta do this. And I was like, I'm in the middle of lunch and you're literally giving me an ulcer because now all I wanna do is throw the lunch aside and figure out how we make Charlie's Angels. I knew I wanted to make it a film that was really tongue in cheek with capable girls, girls who had sisterhood. never want to make a movie about women tearing their hair apart. Like, yuck. Barrymore is guided by that positivity. She forgave her father and was at his bedside in his final days. She supports her mother to this day. And Drew is giving a different kind of childhood to her girls. Five-year-old Olive and three-year-old Frankie. I'll never take the tone with them. My work is bad. My past was bad. Life is bad. It, this is this is the adventure and journey we're on, but you have to be nice and safe. Yeah. What's your slogan? When I ask them, I'm like, what's the two most important things? They're like, safety and kindness. <laughs> and I'm like, that's right, girls, here we go. Do you have ideas of things you haven't done? You've been a producer, a star, you've done everything. Is there other 
um, avenues you want to explore? I, I don't know. I, I could see myself like being like, that's it at 50, and that's only seven years away, but I'll have worked 50 years. <laughs> Isn't that time for the gold watch? And uh, <laughs> see ya. Thankfully, Drew is not. So, Drew Barrymore, she is just one example of so many Hollywood celebrities and movie stars who, I mean, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, those that, that have made it big and then they get mixed up in the wrong things and wind up basically on the brink of death. Some of them actually do wind up dying and... Um, and it's a very sad thing, but thankfully, you know, there are some that rise out of that. And so that's what we're talking about. You know, there are a lot of people, even in this room, watching online as well, that have hit rock bottom in their lives before. You may not be at rock bottom right now, but you've experienced rock bottom in your life. And at that moment, just like the song Overcomer said, you feel like you're the only one, right? You feel like you're all alone. And and it feels like there's nobody else that's experiencing what you're experiencing. But as that song goes on to say, everybody's been down, everybody's hit the ground, and, and you're not alone. And so that's something to remember. But now, as Christians, we have somewhere that we can turn to, someone we can turn to, that when we feel alone, we're not alone. Amen? We are not really alone. And that's a wonderful thing. Those people that are not saved, that don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, I don't know how they live. Because I've always been, I was raised in a Christian home, I've not known anything different. And I've always made it a point to make the right choices for my life so that I didn't experience that horrible rock bottom in my life. So... We're going to get to our point for today, for this, for this series, and that is God has provided everything that you can't control through the death and resurrection of Jesus, and he has given you all things that you can control in the way he created you, and both of those are needed for your comeback. Now, that might be a long thing that we say, so let's talk about that. So through the death and resurrection of Jesus what what do we experience in life? What what came with the death and resurrection of Jesus? It came not just forgiveness of our sins. It came healing and deliverance and forgiveness and financial increase and wisdom and guidance and protection and promises. And the list goes on and on. Am I right? I mean, everything that we can ask for, he's in, in Jesus' death, that was provided for us. And so there's that, okay? But then we have the opportunity to control the use of the giftings he has given us individually. What does that mean? So there are giftings that are inside of us. They may be just natural giftings. For example, you've heard, some of you have heard Brent talk about when he was very little, um, he, he's, he kind of, his, his cousins, several of his cousins say he came out of the womb saying, hi, mom, you know, so this low voice, right? So that's something that he was born with. And, and imagine this voice, this booming voice, he's done more than just preach. And of course he's, you know, he's great at that, but he's been on the radio. He is emceed and God placed that inside of him where? When he was in his mother's womb. 
Jeremiah 1.5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Now, God is talking to Jeremiah here, but this is a word for all of us. If he knew Jeremiah in the womb, he knew all of us in the womb. Now, the thing is, he didn't just know us. He knew everything about us. He knew what was to come in our lives. And so what that means is there are some of you in this room who have natural giftings for certain things. Some of you are gifted with numbers. Some of you are gifted, you know, scientifically. I mean, that's not me. Some of you are gifted mathematically. That's definitely not me. Um, You know, I can do the basics, but put a bunch of fractions and decimal points, my brain about explodes. That's not something that God has gifted me with. You know, I have to work a little bit harder with that, okay? Amen. There are some that have the gift of interpreting crazy, terrible doctor's writings. I know Sandy does probably has to interpret writing and that is something that maybe some of you have that gift as well it may sound like not a big deal but here's the thing God knew that that was going to happen God knew what was going to be put inside of you there are talents inside of you 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 look up on the stage during worship there's musicians up here there are giftings that are inside of these musicians that have been there since since they were in their mother's womb and there are giftings inside of each one of you. There are some of you who are gifted to love others unconditionally. And I'm not talking about just loving those in your family, loving those that are easy to love, that are loving you back naturally. I'm talking about loving those that are unlovable, going out and loving those that are on the street and, and truly from down deep in your heart, loving these people that might be unlovable. Some have the gift of evangelism. We should all be sharing the word of God and sharing the love of Christ. Amen? However, there are some that are like, they are ready to get out there and not ashamed at all when or where to tell others about Jesus Christ. And like I said, we should all be working towards that. But there are some that are just literally more gifted towards that evangelism side. So whatever it is that I would say you're passionate about and have been passionate about, I'm not talking about just some little, I'm passionate about driving a Range Rover. I'm passionate about, you know, uh, watching a certain TV show. No, I'm talking about the things that are deep down inside of you that have always been there. For me, it's always been music. It's always been singing since I was a, a baby. Yes, I was born in a family of musicians, but it... It just is one of those things that I'd go in my room and just sing just because I love doing it. And it, you know those things that you do that, that just wells, like sometimes tears well up inside of you and nobody else understands it but you, right? Those are giftings or talents, things that God has purposefully put inside of you. Um, in the Bible, let's talk about Jesus when he called the... His first disciples, Mark 1, 16 through 20. It says, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting the net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. 
When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. God used fishermen to fish men. Okay? Get that. Men who, all of their life, they had been raised on the water. They had been raised probably by their fathers to go out and fish to make money to provide for their families, correct? But it's something that was instilled within them somewhere, in the womb, in their mother's womb. And Jesus saw that and used it, and they became fishers of men. So God uses these giftings that we have and our talents that are to, to, for who we are and what we do in our life. And here's the thing that we need to make sure we're not doing. And a lot of times we do this. A lot of times we take for granted what God has put inside of us or take advantage of what he's put inside of us. We forget that these giftings were placed by the almighty God. Think about that. The gifts that are inside of you are not things you just thought up. Oh, that sounds like a good idea. It's something that has been placed within you, and we have got to realize that God placed them there for a specific reason. Back to when Jesus called the fishermen. They were called to be fishermen when they were very young, when they were in their mother's womb. But there was a purpose for it. God knew that they were going to go out and they were going to help God's only son win other people to Christ. Amen? They were going to become fishers of men. So now let's talk a little bit about setbacks because that happens. There are setbacks that happen in life. Sickness comes. Diseases comes. Uh, There are doctor's reports that are not pleasing to us a lot of times. There are companies that shut down and people lose their jobs. Some of you may have experienced that. There are floods. Right now, there are floods and tornadoes. If you've heard, heard, watched the news, if you have any friends in Oklahoma that are just hitting down on Oklahoma really hard, the entire state, and floods occur, and people lose lives, and they pe- the people lose, lose their homes, and there are things that happen out of our control, something that we are not necessarily causing, but they happen out of our control. And here is, as Christians, where we look into the word for the promises that he will bring us out of that setback. He will bring us back. He will heal us. He will deliver us. He will give us favor with the banks for a mortgage. He will give us favor with jobs that we are really desiring. He will give us raises. This is why in our offering prayer, we pray, and every day, every time we do our offering prayer, we pray for raises and and wonderful opportunities coming your way. So that God can be glorified, not just so that you can be happy, but that God can be glorified in your miracle. Amen? Amen. God provides favor with people, and he gives us wisdom. He guides us in where we should go. When we feel like we're at the end of our rope, we will, all we got to do is call on him, and he guides us. A lot of times... When we're at the end of our rope and we feel like we've hit rock bottom, there are a lot of times we don't want to talk to God. Has anybody been there? And it's, it's you know, not, not a good thing. A lot of times we're just like, you know what, I don't even want to hear it. 
I'm feeling down and depressed, and I'm just going to wallow in it. We see that in the life of Job. You know, we're not going to turn there right now, but if you know the story about Job, Satan came to God and said, listen, uh, Job, who was an extremely rich man, had lots of, uh, lots of money, lots of um, uh, animals that were plowing and, and creating increase for his life. And Job was doing great. His family loved him. They were all happy. It was wonderful. And Satan came to God and said, can I just mess with Job a little bit? Can I mess his life up a little bit? And see if he curses you, God. I mean, because at the same time, Job was rich, but he loved Jesus. He loved God. I'm sorry, Jesus hadn't come yet. But uh, he loved God. He was sold out. He was faithful to God. And God said, all right, go right ahead. Satan wanted to tempt Job to see if he would curse God. And, And Job was doing great, and all of a sudden, what happened? He lost his livestock, every bit of them. He lost, I I believe he lost some family members. And his wife looked at him when everything was just down, and he was sitting, and he was depressed, and his wife said, curse God and die. What? I mean, she was ready to give up. But Job refused to curse God. He refused to die. He was still depressed. He was still in a setback. But he knew that the God of all gods, that the God, he was almighty, almighty God was going to come and bring him back and give him a comeback. Amen? Amen. If we look in the story of Ruth, um, if you if you read in the story of Ruth, if you're really familiar with that, Ruth was the daughter-in-law of Naomi. And Naomi was married and had two sons. And and during the time of, of when Naomi lived, uh, there was a famine that hit the land. And so what happened was the family moved to another, uh, uh, they went to Moab where there was a little bit more life, not so much famine. And um, all of a sudden her husband died, Naomi's husband died. So she was left there with her two sons who were unmarried. Well, eventually they found wives for the two sons. And I guess life was going well, and then the two sons died. So now Naomi has lost not only her husband, but her two sons. And now she has to care for her two daughters-in-law. And so the one daughter-in-law, Orpah, said, well, uh, Naomi said, go back to your home, to your mother and father, and, and they'll take, you know, obviously they'll take care of you. I, you know, I have no more sons. I'm too old. I have no more sons for you. And so Orpah said, okay, bye-bye. But Ruth did not. Ruth was married to one of her sons. And here in Ruth 1.16, it says, uh, but Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. So now Naomi is not the only one that's suffering, but Ruth has lost her husband. And and Ruth, I mean, it goes quickly through the chapter. You you go from one thing to another. But imagine that. I am sure that Ruth was really sad and she was depressed and there were no men taking care of them. And she had to work and Naomi had to work and and 
life was not easy. So she had a setback, definitely had a setback. But she made a choice to stay with Naomi. And when she did that, Naomi introduced her to the other family. And one of those family members was Boaz. Ruth 2, 8 through 13, we're going to read that. So Boaz said to Ruth, after, after Ruth had been um, tilling the ground there and, and working in the field, so Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field and go, don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you, and whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground. She asked him, why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with the people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord, she said. You have put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your servants. So what happened here? Not only did Ruth get favor from Boaz, but what, what, did, what happened from there on in the story? She wound up marrying Boaz. Boaz was an extremely wealthy man. So God saw Ruth and knew what she was going to be going through and knew when she was a child the things that were going to be placed inside of her. And she was faithful. She was very faithful and served her mother-in-law. And God saw that and rewarded her and had favor on her through Boaz. And so she now inherits all that Boaz has as his wife. So we see that in the Bible. There are things that happen. Let's just review that. Things that happen in our life that are out of our control. God still has a promise to to bring us out of that setback. But what about the setbacks that can be caused by by our own actions? You know, we look at the life of Drew Barrymore, and she made some choices in her life. To, to live a certain way and to do certain things in her life that got her down in a pit, <coughs> got her to her rock bottom. So in real life, there are setbacks, setbacks in people's lives. And, and we do, do make choices. Some of you in here might have done that in your life, may have made choices in your past, and you've had to kind of fight to get back up, right? But a lot of times there are people <coughs> who blame, try to blame somebody else for this setback. Excuse me, sorry. <coughs> There's a story I might have told um, before about my little sister, Jenny, who some of you have, known, have met Jenny, um, where she was very little, and um, she was, they, her and my dad were traveling home, <coughs> from church one night and she's in the back seat and she looks in the behind her and she sees these pretty lights behind her she goes daddy look at the pretty lights and he looks at his rearview mirror and of course it's a cop <coughs> so the cop pulls him over 
And I sit there, and he, he gets a ticket. And as they pull away, Jenny says, don't worry, Daddy, the devil made you do it. <laughs> How many times have we said the devil or we've blamed the devil for things that have happened in our life? You know, yes, the devil is out there roaming the earth, seeking whom he may devour. But there are a lot of times that we make choices in our life and we try to blame somebody else. Somebody else did. Well, they made me do it. Or, well, if they hadn't been there or if they hadn't kind of given me that suggestion. No, it's our choice. We are responsible for what what we do in our life. Amen? You can look at David. King David in the Bible. David had greatness inside of him from the moment he was born. He had, God had a plan for his life, and we see it unfold in the Bible. You know, when he fought Goliath, I mean, he, he was young, but he grabbed a hold of the strength that God had placed inside of him, and he ran towards Goliath. He did not fear Goliath because he knew who and what he was and who and what was inside of him. Amen? But that did not exclude him from messing up, right? You remember so many wonderful things about David, but what spike do you remember about him? What negative spike do we remember? You know, he, people respected him and he was, he was already king and he messed up. He saw a beautiful woman bathing on her balcony, Bathsheba, and he lusted after her, okay? That's a sin as it is. Thou shalt not lust. He lusted after her, and then he followed through with that, right? So he became an adulterer, and then to cover it up, he sent her husband into the field at the front line, right? You remember this story? And what happened? He got killed. So not only was he an adulterer, but he was also a murderer. And so what happened was he was approached by Nathan the prophet. In 2 Samuel 11, I don't think we have this up there, but, um, you know, it, it did, the story didn't just end with the fact that he was an adulterer and a murderer. And then he went on. Um, in the very next chapter in, in 2 Samuel, he's confronted by Nathan the prophet about his sins. And what was David's response? Did you try to run away? Did you try to deny it? No. He said, I've sinned against Jehovah. And then Nathan said unto David, Jehovah has, al- has also put away your sin, and you shall not die. But here's the thing. David didn't die from this or because of this. But what happened? Bathsheba conceived with David. And when the baby was was born, what happened? The baby died. And David knew that that was going to happen. And he did. He was sad. He was, he was, he was extremely sad. He was depressed and he wasn't eating. And after the baby died, he got up, he washed himself and he went on and he fulfilled his call that God had on him. We have setbacks in our life. Some that are, that come out of our control some that come by bad choices we make. But here's the thing. No matter what, no matter what you do, you has, have still been equipped with a gift of God inside of you. He has empowered you. He's empowered you for what you need for your comeback. Amen? 
Let's read some scriptures, and I'm almost done. I want to read these scriptures. They're in Christ's scriptures. We, as Christians, are in Christ. We talk about what Jesus did for us on the cross. And therefore, when we say, Jesus, come into my heart, we are now a new creature, and we are now in Christ. He, and he is in us. He is a part of our everyday life. No matter what mistakes we make in our life, he is still with us. So, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So we, not only have we accepted Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior, and we are a new creation, even when we have our setbacks, chosen or not, we can still keep becoming a new creation. Amen? Amen. He has done this. He's died for us so that we can experience a comeback and be a new creature. Ephesians 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Those spiritual blessings are those promises that are out there. Anything you can think of that would be something that you need, that, that is for you, it is for you. God has gifted us with so many things that, that either we are talented with or things that he has just blessed us through the death and resurrection of Christ. And finally, Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So we're saying this again and again. God's place within us gifts and talents, and when coupled with the promises and the blessings that we know from God that he gave us with Jesus' death and resurrection, we can achieve that comeback. Amen? No matter where you're at, no matter if you are currently at rock bottom in your life, there is a comeback waiting for you. That door to your comeback is already open. It is there waiting for you to walk through it. Unfortunately, some people get stuck there and, and in the setback, and it's harder for them to get up. But I encourage you, you got to get in the word. you got to, no matter how low you feel you are in your life, you need to just dig into the word of God. The Bible in Matthew 6, 33, I always go to this. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That righteousness can well up when, inside of us because he's given it to us. Seek him first. Make him your priority. And, and that comeback is going to be easier than what you think. There are blessings and benefits and promises to all who make that choice to live according to God's principles. It is an easy thing to do, just to live according to him and what he wants us to do. So God's provided, if you need healing, if you need favor, for a job, if you need favor in your finances, he's giving you everything you need because Jesus died for all of that. He's given everything to you that you can control, those giftings, along with those promises, and they're working together to set a stage for your comeback. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Go ahead and bow your head and close your eyes. Thank you, Jesus.
We thank you, Father. We praise you, Jesus, today. We thank you, Father, for everything that you've done, everything you've given us, everything that when you sent your son, your only son,